Wilder, welcome back. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm very sad to be back, but you know, I'll take it. All right. Well, we'll just have to move on. But a couple things we have to start with first. And the first thing is everybody on our social media boards are talking about Killing Eve. It's out. we got to start watching. Last season, season four. I'm a huge fan of both Jodie Comer and our fabulous Eve, who was Christina Yang on Grey's Sandro. Anatomy. Yeah. So, I mean, anything she does, I'm all in. But well, and I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who created the show, but she hasn't been a part of it for a while, right? Exactly. She was in the first season, and then, and they should have left it, because it was brilliant. That's what so, she wanted. I think that's why she left, I, right? I think so, too, yes. Yeah. So second season, I made myself watch it, but only out of respect for history. Okay. Third season, I watched half of the first, I don't know, two or three episodes. Okay. I promised our, our followers that I would take a look at season four. I got halfway through this first episode and I said, there is no value in wasting any more of my time on it. I'm done. You guys can keep talking about it. I want nothing to do with it. Wah, wah. <laughs> exactly. Over and out. Okay. So um, we taped a couple of things while you were gone and some people wrote some stuff in that I thought's worth going over. So uh here's one around your review of nightmare alley Uh oh i know right <laughs> wilder i also thought nightmare alley was just okay i was hoping it would be so much better given the impressive cast i did enjoy the last half of the film better than the carnival storyline yeah i had i had yeah i think that coincides with what you said I had been waiting patiently to get to the cape blanchett scenes the way they yep. filmed her she exuded film noir, the hair, the clothes, the makeup, looked like she stepped right out of that film period. I suppose because that's exactly what they were going for. But the way she moved her head, the facial expressions, the way she looked at Bradley Cooper, she really fits that time period so well. She had that vibe too in the film Carol as well. I mean, like I said, Kate Blanchett steals the whole movie um, and she's in it for the last third, maybe? Uh, but you know, that's who she is and that's what she does. So I'll watch her paint the room any day. <laughs> and then we go on to another comment about that. Um, I recent recent, recently saw the 1947 version because I was curious to compare the two. Nothing great there either, but this version is better in my opinion. Well, at least, at least Guillermo adheres to my rules. I only remake movies that are, you know, not great. <laughs> oh, Oh, I forgot that rule. Except, you know, when we get to the Oscars, I will mea culpa all over myself about um, West Side Story, which is now available on HBO, so you can all watch it. Well, and by the way, I will tell you that I did watch it because you asked me to, and I had to skip through. I, you know, <gasps> okay, well, we're not doing West Side Story today, so okay, we'll talk okay. about that later. I know, we will. We'll talk about it on our, our um, Academy Award podcast. Yes. Okay. Then around inventing Anna, I'm somewhere between the review of Hollister and Wilder, although I love when the two of you go back and forth. <laughs> I think she means a couple of people emailed also about I love when you and Wilder argue. <laughs> I, do, I don't feel that we argue. I feel that we discuss intelligently. Do you feel the same way? No, we totally argue. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's argue about, okay. <laughs> let's um, argue about if we argue yeah, or not. Exactly. Didn't hate it, but didn't love it either. It was fine. I was mainly there for Julia Gardner. Definitely too long. They could have made it shorter by at least two episodes. We all agree yeah. on that. 
I was surprised when I saw the running time of an hour and 20 for the last episode. I was like, why? Every episode was like at least an hour. And I was like, okay. I know. know. (laughs) Editing people, editing. (laughs) Also, we had our second film TV club where we celebrated and dug deep into Yellow Jackets. Like tons of new thoughts around it and a great discussion about it. Yeah. Sorry, I missed it. How was it? It was really good. And also a lot of talk around Lord of the Flies. And then a day later, I saw this incredible post on Story Has It, which is on Instagram. So it's at Story Has It, which is an Instagram account. Brand new, by the way, they're just out there. And here's what they wrote. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had had this for the the, um, club that we did. Several years ago, co-creator Ashley Lyle read an industry article about a proposed all-female remake of the film based on William Golding's novel, Lord of the Flies. Commentators were quick to poke fun. What are they gonna do, collaborate to death? Okay, and then they go on to explain that's how the film, that she just read that and that's how the film got made. So- I mean, I will say, I love that because it's like, women are so much more competent so they would never end up in the situation that the boys do. I know, I know. I yeah, but also it's also totally insulting, you know. Oh, it's totally. super insulting, but it's also yeah. like it's also like a backhanded compliment of like, well, they'd get they'd collaborate and they'd get shit done and they wouldn't be fighting over each other and like sticking someone with a spear. I know, exactly, exactly, exactly. I kind of think it's great. Yeah, sort of great, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but it also inspired her to do this awesome show, which I have not yet watched, but I've heard many, many things about. Yeah. Let's move on to Severance. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we should have known this was not my choice to watch. We should have known. We should have known. I haven't slept since I watch it. I also own a marketing company. I'm sure I'm evil personified. It's like this. How many episodes have you watched? There's only three. out. I watched all that are out. Four. No, I think there's five out. Well, I, I'm, I'm there. But you watched three. I watched through four. I watched okay. that, that incredible. I'm not as far as you, so, but okay. that's okay. <laughs> Look, the premise, it's really interesting because the premise, it brings a bunch of things all together. It's about a company that has people doing such highly secretive work that you have to agree, if you want to work in this certain department, you have to have an operation on your brain that basically makes it so when you're outside which they call Audi, you uh remember all your personal uh life but when you're inside this office space you don't remember any of it and of course there's somebody who's escaped this and there's evil which we haven't even uncovered all of it yet and so there's the dilemma between work and 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 play and it's the ultimate work-life balance oh here we go ultimate okay you know it's it was made for millennials is all i can say is it do you you didn't enjoy it well i found it highly disturbing and there is this this question you know as you get older and you'll learn this as you get older and wiser like me that time 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 matters more and more and so what you're going to spend your time watching for me has to have a return on investment And I don't know that this will for me. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of it is that we don't know yet. I know. Well, not only that, 
the, the write-ups have been incredible. Interestingly enough, the person who wrote it, Dan person, Erickson, thank you. He wrote it because he was really bored at work and he yeah. thought, God, if I could just come here, put in my time and then go home and enjoy my life, that would be great which led to the thought process that he went to to actually yeah. write it up. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I read this. I actually read the pilot for this a year or two ago. Um, and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and oh. I would watch this show, but I don't know if anybody's going to make it. And then Ben Stiller of all people has, a, they are producing it. He's directed all of the episodes. It's no, he's amazing. He's, no, he's directed six. Uh, he's directing six out of the nine episodes. Just okay. He's directed most of the episodes and he's very talented. And there's, there's a process in the beginning. Um, the begin it's Adam Scott, um, which you recognize him from parks and rec and a lot of other but never in a Great role. TV that, show. Like, I mean, what's amazing. Nothing this like is, this. This is a new level of, of acting that I did not know he had. Did you? Yeah, no, I didn't. Um, and I, I'm very impressed with him and I think he's, cause he, he has to play two characters, right? He has to play himself at work and he has to, and, and, and himself at work, the way that the procedure works, you don't have any memories of who you are outside. So it's not like your life stopped and you remember who you were prior to having the procedure when you walk in the door it's no you you were like born in this office and as you're going down the elevator you go through the shift so it, they kind of split your brain it's kind of how I saw it. it was like you know left and right which obviously isn't how your brain works but you know you're one side of the brain and the other side of the brain and when in the first episode they have this fantastic shot when he's in the elevator and they kind of it's like a vertigo shot with this wide angle lens and the, even the shape of his face changes where you see him go through this shift of going from his Audi to his innie. And I was like, I'm in this show is, this show is so interesting. It's so challenging. You don't know what's going on. Patricia Arquette is phenomenal. And also unrecognizable. Oh, did you think, I mean, at yeah. first I was like, is that, and then I was like, Oh, it's Patricia Arquette. Exactly. And she, she also plays two characters, but I, I, it hasn't been answered yet whether or not she's severed, um, which I'm, I'm curious about. Uh, no, she, she can't be severed because you'll find out later she attends something outside that she, and she attends it as an innie. So there's no way she is. Okay, cool. Um, well, I'm okay with that, but there's a lot of mystery around the show. It's very stylized. Um, like everything, it's fascinating to me because like, you don't really know when it takes place or where it takes place. You know, it's, it's kind of in a little bit of a different America or it, actually, I don't even know if it's in America. Well, it, whether, and I don't think it matters where it is, but it, what matters is that the protesting that goes on around some of the stuff they're doing inside work is interesting because um, they are protesting now about corporations. IBM, for example, recently because of their, uh, they did not follow suit and sort of not let anybody buy any of their products now in Russia. You know, their employees are, are protesting. I mean, you mm. know, you know uh, accountability through, of corporations has become much more, much more prominent. But what's also interesting is the reason he does this is becomes clearer and clearer. You know, he's in, he's grieving. He lost. Yeah. His he, he's lost his yeah. wife. Yeah. We don't know how yet, but, um, but here's the thing, Ben Stiller, big risk. 
big risk to direct this. Yeah. I think that he got bored being the funny guy who was never really taken seriously. Oh he, yeah. yeah. No, he, um, so good for him. He and for sure is, is branching out. And I, I find it really interesting. Adam Scott, another, you know, again, outside his own genre so much, really happy with that. But here's the star for me was Britt Lauer. And she plays Helly, the only women we really see in the intersection that's that's in their group, their small group, uh, you know, of course, uh, outside of um, outside of Patricia Arquette. But what I love about her is right from the get go, the minute they've severed her, she thinks, what have I done? This is a terrible mistake. I love that she's the good guy trying to get out and she's willing to take all these risks to do it. And there's a there's a big deal breaker at the end of uh, episode four, which I'm not going to tell you, but I think she really is a standout in this. And so is her red hair, because everything inside is very sterile. It's yeah, it's great. It's very like white. 50s, 70s decor, like, but very white, very bright light, you know, and yeah. then everything shot outside in the real world is dark. It's like everything was at night. There's no day. Well, yeah, it's, and it's interesting because obviously they're two different people. He's his real self when, and you, you open on him sobbing in his car and then he goes inside and he's got, he's, he's, you know, been wiping his, his eyes and blowing his nose in the first episode. You see, they go through an entire transition. They have to change out all of their clothes. They have to change out. He's got a a watch that he wears. He's got to change out for a nondescript watch. Like everything about this is tailored. And as he walks downstairs, once he's gone through the transition, he pulls out the tissues in his pocket. Like, what was this for? Uh, And it's, it's, I think it's just brilliant. Well, and he, he has no idea, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah. Really, 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 really well done. If you ask it's me. and it's very, it's very interesting. It's challenging. You don't know what's happening. Um, there's a lot of theories around the internet. A lot of people are, but it's not getting a, it's getting good reviews, but it's not getting a ton of attention. Um, but I, I thought this was definitely worth us taking a look at and it, I find it very entertaining. Now you brought up the watches. So of course they show it a lot where he is exchanging as he goes in, he exchanges certain things, not just his watch, but his card that gets him in all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Okay. And the watches were so different that I felt that it must mean something. So I did a little digging. <laughs> I know, you know me, right? Always. Uh, okay. So um, Danny Milton and Cole Benning- Pennington wrote a really interesting article for Hodinke, which I had never heard of before, H-O-D-I-N-K-E-E.com. And they wrote an entire article about the watches, et cetera. So they basically said the watches were critical to showing that time has zero value, which is why, and plus you can't have any letter or number or anything Mm -hmm. written on you in any way because they don't want you to take out messages to yourself that say, Mm -hmm. "Shoot, shoot me dead or whatever. So the two watches are very different and they're, and they are to symbolize these two things. But just so you know, the watch that he wears outside um, is uh, it's uh, it's Russian. And it's like, it was actually from the personal um, kit of the prop master, Catherine Miller. You go, Catherine. <laughs> I guess she's got a lot of watches, but it's called the um, Vostok Komandersky. Okay. Three, four, one. 
307. And then the other watch is just a Japanese watch, but it was really hard for her to find. She thought she was going to have to create one. It's called the Bijon, B-I-J-O-U-O-N-E, which is- We're not getting paid to talk about this, by the way. (laughs) We're not. We're not, but I think it's important because they show it over and over again. It's repetitive. Mm -hmm. It's there all the time. And really, isn't this about time management? Isn't this about our time? Well, it's it's interesting to me as as a millennial. uh, (laughs) I find it fascinating because there's a part of me that like, relates to Dan who wrote this of like, can't I just put in my time and go home and do whatever I want? And that's not how I'm wired. And that's not my job. You know, my job is I'm coming home and I'm reading or I'm, I have to go out and do, you know, I have to, it's so terrible to do dinners and, you know, screenings and socialization stuff around my job. Obviously the past two years has been a bit of an exception to that, but my job doesn't stop at five o'clock when we clock out, right? That's not how my role works. And so there's, there's an allure there of like, if you could just leave it and leave everything that happened there and not have it affect you in your real life, there's, there's something to that that I think is really interesting. Um, but obviously there's, there's quite the cost at, for having that. And I do find it fascinating how they, what, what I think is really interesting is that they don't know what they're doing down there. Like they know that they're sorting data, but they don't know what the data is because it's encoded when it gets to them. So I find it, I'm, my question is like, why do they have to be severed if they don't even know what they're doing? Well, the, the, and the implication is because the, what they're doing is evil. But sure. it's, funny, it's funny that you bring about uh, that question because, um, you know, James um, Polnuzwak that um, writes for the New York Times. So here's what he said about that. And I think it's an interesting question. I wanted to ask him. Sci-fi stories about altered consciousness from the they live to the matrix to homecoming often involve people having their minds altered with or by aliens or evil institutions. Severance asks a new question, whether given an incentive, would you subjugate a part of yourself outsourcing your drudgery to another you, like Homer Simpson uh, deferring his problems in future Homer? So the question is, would you do that? Well, I find it interesting because I, I, Obviously, this character has incentive to do it because he doesn't want to remember what's outside, right? He he wants that eight hours a day where he's not grieving his wife. And obviously, that's not very healthy. And they talk about it in the show. But I, I find it fascinating because in the first or second episode, you see these protesters, right? And they he he accosts them because it was his choice. And they, they're saying they're taking choice away from these people, but it was his choice to do it. And you see Heli go through the process and she, the process when you're trying to resign, you have to first submit your resignation to your outside self, right? You, your inside self submits your resignation and your outside self receives it. And that's the first level of whether or not your outside self accepts your resignation. And I find that so interesting because they really are two different people. Well, first of all, you know, you were talking about your job, you know, you're, you're here not getting paid, neither am I, because we love film and we love television and we love what we do. Okay. 
when you have a job which is in the industry that you love, I don't differentiate between my work and my life. It's integrated into my life as part of the joy and passion of things that I'm in. Sure. So, and lucky us that we get to do. Absolutely. But there's certainly, I'm, I'm a person who has anxiety. So there's, there's so much of that. What happened during the, you know, nine to seven, which is more my hours that I take home with me at the end of the day that I would love to leave at the door. Well, don't you have anxiety in your personal life? Yes, but far less. Okay. I I don't know. My anxiety manifests itself weird. (laughs) Well, we don't need to talk about that here, but Um, we can, we can do a whole other podcast about that. (laughs) Well, I just think it's an interesting question. And the answer to that question for me is no, because my life, I don't think about work life, personal life. I think about my life and it's all integrated in such a beautiful and beautiful, amazing way. And I feel very grateful and lucky that I've been able to establish a life around things I want to do. And it's also been lucrative for me to be able to live the way I want to live. I think that's great. You know, I, I also, I love what I do. And there are certainly days where I'm really excited and happy and, you know, love to talk about it with my partner, but there are also, I have a tough time differentiating and being present in the moment when it's not work related. So there would be a benefit to me to be able to, to kind of have some distance there. Well, the real question is how many Americans are as lucky as me and you, and how many would, would in fact, you know, the drudgery of their jobs. There's a great line. Uh, Peter Matheson wrote a book called Men's Lives. And the first line of it is, and it's men's lives we eat for breakfast. And the point of it is um, that inside that box of cornflakes, there was a farmer and there was somebody on mm. the assembly line. And the truth is, do you have any idea what people are doing to make sure that box gets to your counter yeah. in a reasonable way. And most people do not, you know, they do not get to live lives where they've integrated everything where their life is so great. So I'm wondering if they did a survey across the nation, how many people would answer that question? I'd love to turn that eight hours that I have to put in off. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think I, it's really interesting. And I think yeah. it's all, all part of the show. And if, you know, if that's interesting to you, it's certainly its own tone, its own style, it's unsettling, it's, you know, a little uncomfortable, but it's, I think it's really good uh, and challenging and interesting. So if that's something you're interested in, it's on Apple. So go take a look. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then we move to my next bugaboo. Okay. Oh Uh, boy, Hollister. It's been a hard week. I don't know what to tell you. So (laughs) The dropout. Um, oh, Elizabeth Holmes. Okay. Yeah. And interestingly <laughs> enough, I couldn't help but be struck as I started to watch it. Okay. I've never seen a 12 month period. I mean, think about the, all the female biopics. Okay. We've had, you know, Luce, Lucille Ball. We've had Diana, you know, Spencer. We've had um, the, uh, um, Gaga in, you know, I, I mean, there's, they, we've, we've had Jennifer Hudson. Um, we've ha- there are so many, and then we've had, of course, Jessica Chastain, mm-hmm. who we reviewed uh, in Tammy Faye, who I, by the way, at this point, think, um, think I, I, you know, I think she should win. But at any rate, um, never have we had so many biopics. And some people are saying, well, you know, um, Hollywood's gotten lazy. 
you know, a biopic because a biopic is appealing when there's so much out there to look at, how do you differentiate yourself? Well, if it's about a real person, you automatically get more press than you would. I mean, that's just a fact you get these biopics get more press and they also appeal to the, whoever liked that particular uh, famous person like Diana. Spencer would never have made mainstream numbers the way it did if it hadn't been about Princess Diana. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have, you know? No, I, you're right. But I also, I mean, totally agree that Hollywood is lazy, but I don't think, well, I, think <laughs> I don't think it's because we're doing biopics. I think it's because we're doing sequel after sequel after sequel, right. but you know, to each his own, I guess. <laughs> well, this is about the dry, the dropout and um, only the first uh, three episodes, I think dropped, right? Mm-hmm. I, wa- I watched all three. Okay, I got to take a minute here because I have a personal story, uh, which I basically wrote an editorial about and I put it up on, on our social media. So you can, uh, you can go and look at it if you want to. Um, okay, so I have some very rich friends out on the West Coast. And I mean, billionaire type friends. Can I meet them? No, they're, they're very busy and especially not now. And once I out him this way. Okay, so, and she is what was one of my closest, closest friends. Okay, her husband invested, was one of the original investors in Elizabeth Holmes. Um, Theranos. Yeah, in Theranos. And we were like, huh. And he was like, you got to invest, Christine. I'm like, why? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Okay. So I said, I'll watch it carefully. Okay. As time progressed the first, let's say 18 months into it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he would call her. She wouldn't call him back. He invested a lot of money, millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. He would call her. She wouldn't call him back. He would send her an email. She wouldn't answer it. She wouldn't send out zero paperwork, zero, zero, zero. And we would say, Victor, in, if anyone else treated you this way, you'd have them in court in five minutes. Oh, she's a fragile flower. You know, she, you know, she, and, <sighs> all, and I considered her to be a manipulator of men. Not one woman invested in the, in her company, by the way. Okay. But these are very famous men, major people, you know, generals and, you know, I, I can't. Even yeah. But none related to the science field or pharmaceuticals, nobody uh, who actually knew what they were talking about with okay. what she was doing. All right, but here's some of the people who did Henry Kissinger, George Schultz, James Mattis, um, William Perry, who was the U.S. Secretary of Defense, which scares the shit out of me. Um, you know, I mean, we're talking major, major people. So so we would we would sit there at dinner and we'd go, you you never returned. She never returned your call. You know what? What the F? You would not tolerate the behavior from anywhere else. And he'd say, that's just the way she is. She doesn't handle people well. She's a scientist. Police. But she's not a scientist. I know, clearly, right? (laughs) Anyway, fast forward three years later to her demise. Not one of those men realized that they were duped by a praying mantis. A praying mantis, after you have sex with it, the woman eats the head off the praying mantis. Like, she totally took advantage of these men. And the first three episodes are all about that first two, three-year time period. And it does not even touch on how she got away with this. And I thought to myself, look, I think, I think that, um, that, uh, that the storyline of Elizabeth Holmes and how she ripped off so many and also killed people with her, you know, she's in jail now, she's going to be in jail. Amanda Seyfried did a great job, 
but how could you miss the entire major storyline of this show? I mean, it makes me sad because she's acting very well and it's really well told, but it's not the story if you ask me. Well, it's, it's interesting because I also, well, I, I'm not in any way related to Elizabeth Holmes or have any, know anyone who invested, but I was working on the competing show to the dropout. Um, so I was very heavily involved in developing another show about Elizabeth Holmes. And so I do know like a weird amount about this topic. Um, and you're right, you're completely right. But I, what's interesting to me is that the first two episodes, they really make her kind of this naive in over her head. She doesn't know what she's doing. Like they kind of sympathize with her. Um, As if she had no, you know what they, here's what they do that I think is the worst criminal offense of the show so far. Maybe it gets better. We'll see. Um, I think the only thing that matters to me when someone in my company or in my life messes up badly or otherwise is what was their intention? I stop I put my anger aside and I say, what was the intent? Mm-hmm. Intent matters more than results in life, in my opinion. Well, and taking responsibility, exactly. I think, is also and very important. Her intent is presented as if she just wanted to help people not have to have blood taken out of their arm. And the truth is her intent from the very beginning was to have a billion dollars and be a famous person. And it was nothing more. Well, and it's, it's interesting to me because... I developed a whole show around this story and there's some stuff that's coming up. That's really, that is the make or break moment of when she should have come clean. And we haven't gotten there yet. And when I was developing it, it was going to be episode two, right? Where these, these really very, very hard, hard topics come up for her. And she, brushes by them right well, she, by the she way, can't even by the think way, about it it does come up and this is what what enraged me so there's a board meeting and the board votes no confidence my friend was at that meeting that board mm-hmm. table what they don't point out is every man it's all men around the table what mm-hmm. they don't point out is the huge powerful men that were around that table and we don't see what happened and when she leaves she still has the company she lied about raising money and she gets to continue on with very little oversight because she cried. I know, poor thing. She cried. Well, it's it, it that's the stuff that I think they that she is. That yeah, is that's the stuff I do think they're doing well, right? Like that you can you can see the choices she's making cuz and I don't know, I'm not going to diagnose Elizabeth Holmes. You know, there's a lot of people out there who Psychopath. Think, Let me help you. Psychopath. Well, psychopath, but there's also a lot of people who think maybe she's on the spectrum and like she just doesn't, you know, behave the same. I, but yeah, I think she's a psychopath, right? She just she people she knows what on, she wants and she'll people, do whatever she needs to to get it. People who are on the spectrum do not reinvent their tone of voice to get further along. They do not. They do not mimic a certain way of dress they do not that's know. actually not entirely true but a lot of sorry there there's a lot of mimicking within the world of people well, who are on the spectrum no, because no. 
That's true because, but they're mimicking because of a different reason. Sure. She's mimicking Steve jobs. And I do think at the end of episode three, like, again, this show is too long. There's too many episodes. Why are they, there are eight episodes. You don't need eight episodes to tell the story, but you don't need need eight episodes to tell anybody's story, including Winston Churchill. Well, what I think is interesting is I think we are finally getting the end of episode three. There's a great pan up of her her transformation into her female Steve Jobs, right? And now we've gotten to the point where she knows what she's doing. She knows that she's lying. She knows she's kind of faking it till she makes it, except she's past that point, right? The the first couple of years, yeah, she's kind of faking it till she makes it because she thinks she can get this technology to work. But there is, and to be honest, like had she succeeded, had this been possible, it would have been amazing. But like, There's so many people along the way who tell her that it's not, at least not yet. And she just won't listen. And there are lives at stake. But by the way, I mean, a lot of people have invented amazing things, you know, by not listening. Sure. But but it was all based on ego, never really based on- And it wasn't in the healthcare sector where people's lives were at stake. And- we are getting to the point in the story where there there's there's a human cost here. People people are will die over no, this topic. And by the way, I never understood why she wasn't up for murder. But anyway, I wait. So guess who was supposed to play her? Oh, I know it's Kate McKinnon. Yeah. What do, now? By the way, Amanda, I look forward. She's to great. Your, I look forward to your Golden Globe next year. I mean, so, you know, I think this performance. She's very good. Very difficult to do. I, you know, you know, degree of difficulty matters to me. This mm-hmm. is a, a 10 plus, but would you, I think, what do you think about Kate McKinnon doing it? I think Amanda's better, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, so here's what I think is interesting. I love Kate McKinnon. And what I love about Kate McKinnon is that you can never take her seriously, right? She always has that sense of satire or self-awareness but about she also her looks funny and i don't think that elizabeth holmes ever looked that way oh i think elizabeth holmes kind of looks like an alien so i kind of uh, love but she but, had no she has no humor i mean elizabeth no holmes- but that's that's why i would have been really interested to see the kate mckinnon because my my problem with the first two episodes is there's no point of view there's no perspective, yeah. right? It's just telling the story. We're starting to get in, which is interesting because it's Michael Showalter who's the director here. And Michael Showalter did Eyes of Tammy Faye, right? And he also did some of my favorite stuff, which is, um, you know, the, uh, sorry, the American, the, uh, it was a Netflix show. Anyway, it was about camp. I can't remember the name right now, but he is, he's a very funny guy. And there is, a sense of commentary, a sense of satire in a lot of what Elizabeth does and a lot of how she operates. Like the whole scene of her lowering her, like practicing her lowered voice. It's brilliantly done. It's a It's really well done. I, I agree. Very but important. I think that there is, we're losing the comedy. And I also like Amanda Seyfried's also very funny. Like I think Amanda Seyfried, she, she broke out in Mean Girls and she's very funny. She has a really good sense of, of comedic timing, but there's, there's, there's a sense of self-awareness. Yeah, but why, Sorry? why would anything about this be funny? So I'm not saying it's laugh out loud. Ha ha. I'm saying it's commentary satire of the lengths this woman was willing to go. That's not satire. That's, that's criminal, criminal. No, I agree. But there is 
there is humor in no. how ridiculous she is, how absurd this person is. No, I don't and, think there's one ounce of humor because it's always at the expense of other people, including lives. But I think that's the commentary is that she can't see it. She won't see it. She decides it doesn't matter, right? Well, and in, Oh, I think she sees it and tries to hide it. I don't think that's true at all. I, I think, think the performance of her, not, not Amanda, right? Of Elizabeth Holmes, everything about Elizabeth Holmes that we know that we saw the Steve Jobs turtleneck, her voice, the green juices, like everything about it to me is hysterical. This woman is trying so hard and no one could see it. Yeah, I don't think it's funny. And by the way, I find yeah, it yeah. very funny. But also, there's something inaccurate about also something you just said that nobody can see it. A lot of people saw it and they took I'm it sorry. Away. I yeah. mean, the people no. who invested in her. No, but you know what? They saw it too. They just chose to look away because they wanted to be, they, she made them feel like, you know, I hate to say it, but she made them feel like, you know, they were manly. And you not, don't find that, you don't find yeah. any sense of comedy in that? No, none. No. Oh, I, I mean, again, have you watched Dr. Strangelove? Okay. I did. You did? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I wasn't going to do it today because we've got so much to go over. We're going to talk about it another time. You I wa- she no, watched the movie. I know. And you're not going to like the outcome. <laughs> That's because, um, I think Hollister doesn't like satire. So whatever, we'll get there later. I am the personification of satire. No, you don't get any of what I'm talking about right now. So yeah, yeah, no, I don't. But I think sometimes there's a place for funny and sometimes there isn't. I don't think this is- You don't think nuclear war is the place for funny? No. Well, well. no, I appreciated that satire. I like that show better than you in some ways, you know? Um, Wait, which show? uh, You're talking about Up in the Air? I mean- um, um, Dr. Strangelove. Oh, oh, yeah. We'll talk about it another time. I, I, it's a. What are you talking about? No, I was talking about the reason you told me to watch Doctor Strangelove. Oh, yeah. Don't look up. Look, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if you're going to watch this or not, but if you're going to watch it before you watch it, Google into Google. Um, Google into Google. Google, yeah. Google into Google because Google is a verb and a noun. Google into Google, Elizabeth Holmes, Stanford uh, interview. She goes back to Stanford at one point and she's interviewed for an hour by the, by a woman at Stanford who I think is head of the newspaper or something. But anyway, when you watch that interview and then you watch the show and I would do it. It's such a performance, that interview. Well, but it is, but also it will help you to understand what they've left out, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. I do think, I think the only person so far who's nailing the tone that I was thinking of is William H. Macy. (laughs) I know, right? He's so good. He's so good. And he's, he's the, like, he's the only character that I think understands in my perspective, the absurdity of what happened here. Well, the other thing I think I should mention from an insider point of view her father sort of is portrayed as somebody who sort of was down and out a bit. And he was at Enron. He did leave Enron, but her father was the one who brought in those original investors. My friend's husband mm-hmm. came in through the father yeah. and all those generals, you know, Mattis and all those people, they knew her father and her father presented her like this genius person 
who was the next Zuckerberg, you know, so, and by the time they Which met it's her- fine to be the next Zuckerberg when you're, well, I mean, not really now that we've seen the, the implications of, of Facebook, but she's talking about people's health and that's well, the difference. Well, and it, what's interesting is, you know, there was a piece of Zuckerberg that was a fraud too, because it wasn't his idea. And, no. you know, so, I mean, it's just, uh, it's all very interesting, but I just want to point out to you that her father's portrayed as somebody down and out and a bit of a loser. Truth is he's the one who brought that original round of investing in that gave her the first, I think it was 25 million to get going. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, but I, I, I do think what I'm, I, I just want to clarify what I'm talking about with the with the comedy and the absurdity is how she navigates everything that she she realized like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get any scientists on board because what we're doing isn't going to work. So I'm going to go to Henry Kissinger, <laughs> like no, I don't someone who doesn't understand this world at all. No, she, that's not, but that's not how it happened. The way she got those people wasn't because she couldn't get scientists. It was because those were the initial doorways open to her through her father's connections. Right. But then when it was time to be made legitimate, she couldn't get any of those scientific or or pharmaceutical. I mean, they show she can't get the pharmaceutical contracts because her stuff doesn't work. Well, but the original board of director member that gave her entree was the was a very very famous scientist out of Stanford. Right, but the Lori Metcalf's character is the reality check there. Um, and if you if you research, uh, there's a scene where she's going to see Larry Ellison, where she unbuttons her shirt a little bit, and the person that Lori Metcalf is based off of Phyllis Gardner would talk about that. That's how Elizabeth entered all of the meetings with her Stanford professors. Like she used, she used the fact that she was a young, beautiful woman to her advantage. And she did have some very strong scientific uh, people who lost a lot of stature by supporting her. She did. She had it. So in real life, she had it, but anyway, if you want to watch the show, and I, I think it's worth watching just for uh, just for Amanda Seyfried's performance alone. But if you want to watch it, go watch that Stanford uh, interview. It'll really blow your mind. Blow and the show's mind. on Hulu. It's eight episodes for some reason. And <laughs> wait, is it only on Hulu? It is only on Hulu right now, yeah. right? Okay. All right. Well, yeah. you know, well done, Hulu. Don't you think a little bit? Mm, I don't know yet. I don't know. I I think the first two episodes, first of all, could have been one episode. Um, But I, I just think there's too much sympathy for her in those episodes. And I don't want to have any sympathy for her. By the way, I don't have any sympathy for her. um, Anyway, thanks everybody. What a great week we had. Uh, Looking forward to what's coming up and we're going to be talking about the Academy Awards in a week or so. Yay. Indeed. Yeah. I'm very excited. You're not, but I am. I am. No, I'm excited to talk to you about it, but you're um, just not excited for the awards because Hollister hates awards. I do, I do. I know. But, but, you know, uh, ending on a namaste note, uh, there's some great, great stuff to watch out there. Yeah. Go, go spend some time in front of your TV. Cause we haven't done that enough for the past two years. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> All right. See you next week, everybody. Bye.